Hey everyone, welcome to the DevBright Podcast, a podcast about engineering and technology at Brightcore. I'm a host, Ben Hayden. And I am Grant McConaughey. And I'm Miles Loeffler. And today we are going to talk about application messaging with our local subject matter expert, Miles Loeffler. So what what are messages? All right, so I'd say messages are generally... Um, just a unit of communication between applications. And I'm putting that as a very high-level definition at the moment. I'll get more into that. So basically, when I say that, I'm I'm trying to include things like HTTP. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's asynchronous or some special message bus. Messages are really inclusive of two different kinds of things, in my view, and those are events and commands. Um, And those can be either asynchronous or synchronous. And events would typically always be asynchronous communication. Something happened in the system in some location and you want to alert some other location. Um, And then you have commands, which is something that must be answered. Um, So going back just a step, events are something that can be responded to by a part of the system, but the the sender does not necessarily expect any kind of response. Um, It's up to the, the consumers to do what they want to with that message. Um, and commands are likewise either asynchronous or synchronous, but there's a promise there that it will be answered. Um, so a great example of a synchronous command would be a RESTful API call through over HTTP. So Miles, what kind of problems do messages solve? Like what, I mean, obviously we know web requests that is like powers the internet, but why would anyone want to expand beyond like HTTP? Right, so um, a lot of it gets into just asynchronous needs, right? So HTTP is synchronous by default. You can return certain responses and kind of, you know, poll and check back for a resource later, but oftentimes that might be something that is driven by an event-based communication on the back end, or at least it could be. Um, So one big driver is honestly just um, decoupling uh, decoupling the system so that you you don't have things so so tightly coupled. When you're working in a, a restful paradigm. Uh, The sender also needs to know the location of the consumer um, always. And there are ways, of course, to abstract that out. But at some level, it needs to know exactly what resource it's interacting with. So it has to look that up somewhere. Um, And a a message-based communication, generally thinking there's going to be some kind of router there. Um, And yeah, that could be taken up. That's kind of what I'm talking about when I say that you could abstract that away for RESTful communication as well, Um, but just abstracting it further out, saying that you could send types of events that that may be answered later or not at all, something can pay attention to them or not, Um, or a command that you want to be answered at some point, um, you know, hopefully in the not distant future. Basically, it it removes the knowledge. One thing that it does is help remove the knowledge of um, where the consumer exists uh, from the application scope. And that's important to help try to reduce coupling between different components as you start to distribute your application. Uh, Another one that's maybe not so obvious is it can help with resiliency um, because of the asynchronous properties, uh, the the doors that it opens for asynchronous communication. um, Often you need to have some kind of queue or buffering. You'll have retries maybe in the the message bus itself, um, something that means that if a consumer is down, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything fails, right? So if you have the ability to send a message into a system and you're not expecting a response instantaneously, 
um, to, to do whatever it is you're, you're doing on the other side of it. If there are components down in the background, uh, there's a chance for them to recover and answer that message in time. So it may take, the, may take what would be a total failure um, or a really hard to recover error case where you get through two of four dependencies um, and then fail and, and make it something that's either a partial failure or, uh, sorry, a partial failure in terms of it will maybe recover later, right? As, as the system comes back up, it can, it can respond to those, those messages. Um, and it's easy to overlook how important that can be in a distributed system. Uh, the way that probabilities work out, right? Like if you have 99% uptime in two things, uh, they both have to be up at the same time, then your chance of uptime is no longer 99%. It actually drops off fairly fast. Right. Um, what about some of the, the pitfalls of, of messages? I mean, do you ever run into issues with um, application speed or with... Uh, you know, sending messages in the right order and, and consuming them in, in a certain order or anything like that? Yeah, so um, definitely there there are considerations, I would put it. Uh, so I, I think they're not necessarily pitfalls, um, although I'm sure that you could come up with actual pitfalls um, or, and, you know, in certain, in certain scenarios, they are pitfalls. Things like message ordering, um, most, most systems aren't going to guarantee first in first out type ordering um, it's a harder problem to solve there's also issues potential issues around the message delivery um, so you have to consider there's there's three different primary types of delivery guarantees and that's going to be at least once at most once and exactly once and most systems don't honor ex they don't implement exactly once um, and there's a lot of reasons for that uh, it's a much more complicated scenario. It tends to make the you know it makes scaling throughput more difficult. Um, a lot of times, what you have to do is you might have some kind of sort or aggregate key that's going to help guarantee that some subset of things is is responded to in exactly the order that it was sent, and also um, that it's responded to exactly one time. Uh, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more complication around ensuring those things are guaranteed. Um, I think probably the most common I'm aware of is at least once. Um, and so the side effect of that is that you have to be able to, to either, you, you want to go for item potency, right? You need to be able to either reject completely or be able to rerun that same event again without an issue in your system. So a great example would be, you know, if you were using some kind of some kind of message to deliver, to, to take a payment from someone um, and the system delivered that message twice and you answered it twice, that would be a problem. Um, unless you have taken, you know, taken action to make sure that somewhere in the system after it answers that, it notices that some, some unique identifier, um, you know, some method of basically saying, I've seen this already, I'm not going to do this action again. Um, you know, sometimes Sometimes the action itself might be idempotent. Sometimes you'll have to make it that way. Uh, but it's definitely something you have to consider and, and a gotcha that I think is not always uh, the forefront of people's minds. With um, asynchronous messaging uh, taking place on the back end, how does that impact a user interface where to a user, they, they do a, an action and they want feedback in the UI but things are happening asynchronously on the back end, not synchronously. So how, how do those things kind of work together? 
Yeah, so I think that you know it's it's not the pattern that you go for for every single action. Um, when you're working with an interface like that, you're probably going to have a lot of synchronous calls between the UI and the backend. There may be some asynchronous stuff happening behind that. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, it would be reactions to something that did happen, something that you know they don't need maybe to see every piece of the result all at once. So. An example from our space, right, is that if you are making a change and committing some action to a policy in our system, uh, that needs to do things like generate documents um, and you know various other actions that some documents might need to be reviewed right away or very close to right away, but they don't necessarily be, need to be returned with the request that was you know initiating that action, the very specific one. Um, most of the time, those would be viewed later in another portion of the system, or maybe there would be a link to retrieve it, where um, you know you could you could return a resource that will be there uh, if they happen to look at it. Maybe it would show that it is still generating, or you could check, um, you know, you could pull for the status and provide a, a spinner that is that it's working. Basically, in a lot of cases. I think that the real reality is that the action is complete before the user would know that it had that it was even asynchronous. Um, but it's definitely something to consider if it actually has to be done all at once in one action, and it needs to guarantee, be guaranteed to be done before the user responds to it. You may want something synchronous. Uh, you could also go for some kind of orchestration pattern that is asynchronous and just you know is being pulled and, and, and spinning until it can retrieve the resource. So there's a lot of ways to make that appear that there's you know one synchronous request, but a lot of the time the goal is actually to distribute that request over time so that the, um, the minimal set of things that have to be done upfront can be done and returned to the user. So going back to your last question about like time and stuff like that, latency, um, the asynchronous nature can actually be a benefit um, from the user's perspective, because things that take more time don't necessarily have to happen in that initial request. Um, one term I hear a lot uh, related to, to events in particular is an event bus. So uh, tell us, what is an event bus? Um, is toot, toot. Yeah, it sounds like a vehicle that takes a bunch of people to a concert, but I'm guessing... It, it's more than that. Yeah, so generally, I mean, there are a bunch of like enterprise event buses out there. Um, but when I'm talking about an event bus or when I say event bus, what I mean is really a it's a it's a general communication channel. Right. And it's not even necessarily all one protocol or standard. It's just one. It's it's kind of a way of thinking about this is this is how we transport messages in our system, right? And so it, it may be the case that an event bus is specifically for events and you have another method um, of communication for synchronous or asynchronous commands. Um, but examples of something that you could consider an event bus would be something like um, AWS's event bridge. Uh, it's very much an event bus. You send, send events into that system. Um, AWS injects events into that system. It can do some things like filter out um, based on certain keys. And very just recently, I think last week, they announced some more in-depth content filtering that helps um, basically include in the subscription that a consumer would make to the service filters wow. on the events that are going through that system. So it's kind of a, it is a transport and potentially a router. Um, 
they can do a lot more than that, but I personally think that it's best if it stays relatively simple in the, that it will basically let you see what do I want to see and, and uh, you know, how to, you know, just get it to me. You mentioned AWS EventBridge, and, you know, we use AWS a lot here at, at Brightcore, but are there any open source uh, event bus uh, frameworks that you know of or, or event bus uh, programs that you know of? Yeah, so um, there's definitely some people use Kafka, even though it's technically more of a stream processor. I know that um, it is definitely in use as a, a messaging queue, uh, messaging system in, in a number of applications. You know, I've not personally used it. Um, there's also NATS, uh, I think it's NATS.io, which is, I believe, there's I think the guy, the team behind developing that, at least one of the guys I believe has worked in messaging at Google for a long time. There was a great podcast on SE Radio. He talked a lot about um, the design of that system. It's actually, I believe, entirely pub-sub-based, so um, publish-subscribe-based, and it implements both synchronous and asynchronous um, events and commands, and it is fully open source and, I believe, quite scalable, but again, I have not personally used that one. Um, as you know, we're here, we, we do like to look for solutions um, that that are hosted for us when we can, um, but it is also an appealing option. And going back to what I was saying about message delivery types, I believe that by default, NATS adopts a an at most once guarantee, which means that there's a chance messages are not going to be delivered. Um, and that's an important thing to keep in mind, um, as I was saying before. And there are ways you can deal with that, right? So, you know, sometimes that might just mean that you want to build in a process to generally rely on those messages and, you know, assume that most of the time you're going to get all of the messages and then have some kind of periodic, um, you know, check to, to pull that update in, to pull in updates that possibly could have gotten missed. Um, and you have to be, you have basically you have to just assess each situation. Can it stand that or not? Um, in a lot of cases, you could stand stale data for just a little while. And uh, so getting off topic there a little bit, but Nats is uh, a definitely a popular one. I know that's open source, um, and Kafka is definitely also open source and used for this purpose a lot as well. And you mentioned that there's an SE Radio episode about Nats. Yes, there is. I don't have the. Okay. Uh, I don't have it on my screen to read it off to you, but we can. I'll get it to you, and we can make sure. sure yeah, I'll, the, the notes. Yeah, we'll find that and put that in the show notes for sure. Well, one one concept you mentioned in there was pub sub. Um, just in case folks aren't familiar with that, what is PubSub? Yeah, so publish PubSub is publish, subscribe, um, and effectively it's that a, a sender uh, is going to publish some kind of message to what's generally called a topic, um, and then subscribers can subscribe to those topics. Um, sometimes they can you know, implement filters, as I was talking about before, um, and that basically just fans out a, a message from the publisher to any number of subscribers. So Nats does this, as I mentioned, AWS has SNS, which is a you know very high throughput, very general notification system. It is also effectively a simple message bus, um, and it, it implements effectively what is PubSub. Um, and so essentially you publish to a topic in SNS and subscribers can push up that are push up 
into AWS that they want to listen to a certain topic and they will be notified when there are messages in that topic. And that that general pattern is quite powerful for the, the asynchronous events that you want to make sure you're notifying some set of um, dynamic, really, services that, that want to know when something happened. So, Miles, we've talked a lot about back-end messaging using, uh, you know, AWS uh, provided services. What about on the front end? Is there any messaging uh, that takes place in JavaScript in a browser? Yeah, so JavaScript has a lot of, of PubSub present in it. Um, you know, by, by all the, the click events and things like that in the system are effectively pub, publish subscribe, right? Your, your code can subscribe to notifications from the browser um, in JavaScript that somebody clicked on something or somebody moved the mouse or, you know, any variety of things along those lines. And there are also, uh, you know, higher level frameworks like Vue and React uh, specifically. It's, uh, they, they, they have libraries like uh, Redux and Views as um, escaping me at the moment. It, yeah, Vuex. <laughs> Vuex, yes. Um, yeah. So Vuex also implements uh, message buses um, and you can, you can implement your own messages, and there are also um, messages coming from Vue itself to respond, that your code can respond to. Um, there are patterns for implementing fairly general message buses in Vuex uh, and in Vue. I mm-hmm. think that um, I'm not sure of the status of like how recommended that is or not, but I definitely know it's possible. Um, and, and like I said, at the root of it, JavaScript is a very asynchronous language, um, and you know, publish, subscribe effectively when you're listening to some type of event is is exactly that. Yeah. So this is like, you know, I, I know in JavaScript there's add event listener is is a function that's used pretty often to to listen to click events or, you know, key down or something like that. So that would be a form of uh, messaging, I suppose. I would consider it one, yes. Um, and you know, I mean, if you, you can kind of if you kind of abstract away the the transport, uh, which is part of the goal, um, in in my opinion, of messaging is to remove both the uh, the transport concern and the the location uh, from the application level. Uh, you know, you could kind of consider a, a direct method call kind of a synchronous command, right? Like you're gonna you're going to right. make this call, you're going to get a response back. It's going to be synchronous. Um, you know, you wouldn't typically call it that, but in my mind, I think you kind of you can kind of start thinking about it that way, right? If you just generalized out, they had some kind of router that that would make that that call locally or maybe externally. Um, it kind of starts to look the same. Yeah, and I do think it's it's an evolution on carrying state in methods and classes, right? Where you can approach a more stateless design if the concept is always just to keep data flowing throughout your system. Yeah, I think that the, I think uh, that would be true. Um, and and potentially, conversely, it also allows it to allows a, a distributed system to be um, to keep its own state uh, up to speed with the state of other locations, right? So you know, there's also right. a, a, another benefit that I didn't really mention is that when you start to break apart a system into distributed components. It can get really chatty um, if the if it's not broken down. I mean, even if it's broken down really well, I think it probably can get very chatty if the domains are naturally that. Um, and so, 
while it's generally recommended, you know, don't repeat yourself and, you know, you, you need a single source of truth type of thing, um, as you start to decompose monolithic software into more service-based um, domains, it can be useful to have a portion of another domain in your own, like if you need just a little bit of information about something. So in our world, potentially, when you're quoting a policy, you may need to know a little bit about the available contacts in our system, right? You, um, or you need me to save a little bit of information about them, but you don't need every last detail. Um, if you can store a little bit of that in the system in quote, then you can speed up and decouple quote at a, at a runtime level, you can decouple it so that it doesn't necessarily rely on the rest of the system all the time. Um, and you keep that, as you were saying, Ben, you keep that data flowing through the system, meaning that if you update those those contacts, um, you know, quote doesn't necessarily have to go and ask all the time, oh, were there any changes? It can just be notified and it can make its updates. Yep. Right. The uh, To go back to an earlier point you made around um, putting messaging in between different services layers, I know that that uh, this isn't front-end related, but uh, infrastructure related, that that is definitely a uh, well-architected framework rec recommendation um, where, you know, whenever a system goes offline, that it it, it does bring more resiliency um, into your system. And it, it allows, I feel like, infrastructure teams to move at a faster pace yeah. if they know that they can, well, I don't know what happens if we upgrade to Ubuntu 20.04 or, or whatever. Like, how do you know that your workload is actually working? Um, and at least if you if you do do this and it does start to fail, you have something sitting in a queue waiting to try again. Right, yeah. Um, I, ideally, right? I mean, you, you do have to pay attention to message delivery guarantees and what's going to happen if a message fails. Right. Um, so specifically in the event you're talking about, sorry, in the events you're talking about events, um, <laughs> then, then you have nice. to make sure, you know, what happens, like you might drop events. They may not be fully queued. Commands really should be because they represent a promise that something will be done. Um, but... But you know, events can be queued or replayed. They can be pushed into uh, there's there's uh, like topic queue chaining type pattern where effectively you're going to be pushing these events into a queue that's specific to whoever is answering, um, and they could consume them. So there are ways to do that for sure. Uh, it's not necessarily the default, but I, I also I definitely agree that it is something that is a, a big benefit you can gain. Uh, it's not necessarily there by default in every case. It sounds like you know a lot about messaging, and I'm guessing you weren't born with this knowledge. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. where, you know, what's a good place for people to learn more about messaging? Uh, are there any books or podcasts or videos or anything like that that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, so, I think that there's a. I don't want to just read off a URL here so we can, uh, I mean, I'll mention it, but we can put this in the show notes as well. There's an enterprise integration patterns.com. There's patterns and messaging. It just goes over at a high level, a bunch of different patterns you can employ here um, with, with messaging. There's a, there's also a good talk that was at AWS and reinvent, reinvent around that. I think I may have mentioned it um, when I joined you guys last time, but just in case I didn't, we can put that, that talk in the show notes as well. Uh, it's a good high level, overview um, and with some kind of practical applications and graphics around what's talked about on that site that I just mentioned. 
Um, and there's also a book that I really enjoyed. Um, I should say I have, have enjoyed so far. I've read most of it is the, the Tao of Microservices. Um, and now I'm feeling guilty. I've heard you mention this one. I have definitely, yeah, I've definitely mentioned it to a number of people around. And now I'm feeling guilty that I am forgetting the author's name. Let me, uh, Richard Roger. <laughs> Richard Roger. All right. I even have Richard it up here. Roger. Yep. All right. So yes, Tao of Microservices by Richard Roger um, is, I think, a, a great overview of kind of the ideas. It, it put a few pieces together in my head that hadn't quite clicked. Um, uh, you know, I've done a lot of just various reading online. There's there's tons of information on this. And I know that's not a very helpful resource, but if you're interested in the topic, um, you can you can read a whole lot about it. Um, everybody has their own opinions. Um, let's see. There's I wasn't quite prepared with a list of resources for this, so I may share some more in the show notes because I'm sure. otherwise I'm just going to start stumbling over myself as I try to remember exactly what they were. I've definitely got a few more, though. We can um, all just go to Stack Overflow and copy whatever the top answer is. Yeah, yeah that, that works. Right. that'll work, too. Um, I think Martin Fowler has some good stuff, too. That's that's um, that's a yeah, name I recognize. Yeah, for sure. the refactoring guy. Yeah. Yep, yeah, he's got he's got stuff he's got good stuff on a lot of different topics, um, and definitely he talks about messaging patterns like um, smart endpoints, dumb pipes, which is kind of along the lines of what I was saying before. Of the um, the pipes, the the message bus can get very intelligent. It can do a lot of things. It could mutate messages, um, and that that becomes present in some enterprise service buses. Personally, um, I don't like that idea. I, I can't say I've been bitten by it in practice, but I can see after being, being a developer for nearly a decade how how that could make things behave in very unexpected ways. Um, you know, just kind of going back to what Ben was saying about the potential for things to fail, um, there's just, just two quotes really uh, I'd like to share. Uh, one of them is very much focused on that, so starting with it. Um, it says it's from Werner Vogels, a CTO at Amazon.com. And he says that everything fails all the time, right? So like design for failure, basically, yep. is the, the message um, that's, that's there. And I think that while, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you are designing for failure just because you have a message bus, I think that it does um, open up the doors to patterns that are more resilient to that. Um, and the second one I wanted to share is, um, is that... Um, it's from Tim Bray, who is a well-known Canadian software developer, uh, entrepreneur. Um, this is a quote, I, again, I discovered actually at AWS reInvent, and it's, um, if your application is cloud-native or large-scale or distributed and doesn't include a messaging component, that's probably a bug. Um, and, you know, I think... Wow, strong me, words. Yes. That um, is, that's pretty good, though. Right, I, I like it. I think it's... Um, you know, I, I think it's. I view it kind of as a as a bug as well, just because it's it's a tool that we need, um, and uh, and I think that it, it can. It's not the right tool for every job, just like every tool that's out there. But it is an important one, especially as the systems are distributed or cloud native or large scale, as he's saying. Good quotes. Um, I think that's probably probably about it. For uh, this this episode, uh, please follow the numerous links and resources we mentioned. If you're curious, uh, feel free to reach out on on Twitter at uh, DevBright 
pod if you have questions. We'll make sure and get you in touch with the person that actually knows everything about messages, Miles Loeffler. <laughs> um, I mostly just try to make jokes about pubs being bars and subs being a sandwich, but I didn't get it, get, didn't get it out <laughs> in time. Too bad. So um, close. But yeah, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter too, Day B. Hayden. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at G McConaughey. And if you send questions to DevBrightPod, uh, then maybe we can get Miles to send a tweet. So <laughs> One singular tweet. Please send your questions. That would be great. And He'll, he'll send it in an asynchronous message to the Twitter.com. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, Miles. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. And we'll see you all next time. Bye.